Compassion Sunday. We have a special treat. I want to ask Cecilia, if you will. Uh, there you are, girl. Come on. Uh, Cecilia is here. And th- this is something that I wish I would have thought to do, you know, other years. But Cecilia, she, at one point, she was on one of those packets that's in the back. From age nine and, and, and all the way through college, was, was she is a product of the work of God through Compassion International. And, uh, and she's here today to share her story. And so if you've ever wondered, uh, which you probably hadn't because Compassion's that awesome, but if you've ever wondered, is this real? Cecilia's here today, okay? And yeah. And you know how hard it was to get her here? I called Compassion and said, can we have somebody come? And they said, yeah. So that was it. So, so she's, uh, she's here. So we'll, we'll do that more often. But girl, I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to turn it over to you and then I'll come up uh, after. But Lord, we thank you so much for Compassion International. We thank you for an organization that, that works to accomplish uh, a, a task that's so much bigger than ourselves. Lord, thank you that we can play a part. Thank you that we, we can come here and have a way that we know we can impact uh, man, a life and have it change forever for the, for the glory of Christ and for the good of these children and these people. They'll grow up to be uh, young women and men who are part of your church. God, may you continue doing a great work as you have done in Cecilia's life. Lord, speak through her today. And uh, Lord, just, just give us such a clear picture of this beautiful ministry that has your name all over it, Compassion International. Amen. Got Thank it, you. Morning. Good morning. Hey, guys, you had breakfast? <laughs> morning. Good morning. Oh, well, I'm awake too, and I'm happy to be here this morning. I hope I'll not fall asleep. No, I won't. I have a four-month-old daughter, so I've been trying to keep awake now. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm really glad to be here. Maybe I should have given you a harder time, right? <laughs> anyway, I thank God for the work that he has done in my life and for me to be here this morning just to share briefly. It's a long story, but I will share briefly what God has done in my life, how he has changed my life through compassion and why I'm here today. And also I hope that when I'm done... <laughs> You'll be encouraged that all is not in vain. And I pray for those who are already sponsoring with compassion that you'll be encouraged. And those who are still thinking about it, I pray that by the time I'm done, hopefully you'll have made a decision whether to sponsor or not. And if you're still praying, I pray that you keep praying until God speaks to your heart. So uh, I will just start by um, thanking, uh, I think, Pastor Keith who was mentioning that he has been to Kenya. So I want to believe that he will really have an understanding of what I'll be describing in a few minutes of where I grew up and, or how I grew up. And uh, uh, for those who have not been to Kenya, Kenya is in East Africa, and I grew up on the western part of Kenya, near Lake Victoria, if he's been there. So um, I would like to just paint for you a picture of my life before compassion and my life after compassion and what changed. So what was it like for me before compassion? So I grew up in a large family of 10 children and um, our house was very small 
and being in the village our roof was made of grass so if you can picture a house the walls were made of mud the floor was made of mud and the roof was made of grass so you can imagine what happens when it rains if you have a grass roof what happens when it rains <laughs> yeah something like that right <laughs> so my father had to keep adding grass to the roof so that we don't get soaked in inside our house when it rains. So that was a lot of work. So every season when you know the rainy season is coming, you have to keep adding grass to your roof so that you don't get soaked in. But we were not we were not the only ones who had um, the we were almost kind of like the only ones who had a grass thatched roof in our home. Most of the people around us, some of them were well off and they had uh iron sheet so as a child I was kept I kept asking myself why can't we have a house like that you know why can't our why can't we afford even iron sheets to put on our roof and you can imagine if it rains and you're walking on mud without shoes that's an interesting picture right <laughs> i did not have shoes so anytime it rained I had to walk on the mud with my feet and you can imagine all kinds of diseases that you'd get from walking on the mud on bare feet and when it goes when you're going to sleep at night then you have to use cold water to wash your feet so that you can go to sleep. Another thing is that I did not grow up with the luxury of choosing what to eat or knowing when the next meal would be. So my parents did what we call subsistence farming. So anything they grew, if anything came out of the uh, farm, well we had food. If nothing came up out of the farm, then we had no food. So it's not like I would wake up every morning and say okay I'm going to have this for breakfast or I'm going to have this for dinner. That was not a given. So if there was food, well and good. If there was nothing, we learned to do without it. And Sometimes uh most of the time we cooked using firewood. So during the rainy season, uh we would be sent to go and get firewood. So you can imagine when it rains, the firewood is wet, right? How long will it take you to light a fire with the wet firewood? <laughs> so that means maybe you are not going to eat that day or you really have to do some miracle for you to even prepare a meal for that day. Another thing is that As kids are sitting here, I believe they all go to school. I hope so. <laughs> My parents did not go to school first of all, and thus they did not emphasize the importance of education for my siblings and me. So, he did not put us in school. But I will tell you how my life changed and how I got to go to school and the reason why I'm standing here today. And to make matters worse, living in such kind of um, environment to add on to that my parents became alcoholics so they would disappear for days sometimes and they would go drinking and when they come back it was all fighting a lot of chaos in the house and you would not want to be the first child to meet with my father when he came back from drinking because he would cane you for whatever reason i mean even if you didn't do anything so I grew up afraid of my father. I could not even talk to my father. I could not share anything I was going through with anybody. And for him being such a harsh disciplinarian, I was very afraid of him and that made me have a low self-esteem. I never reached out to talk to anybody about what I was going through. 
So I kept asking myself questions such as, why can't I be like other children? Why can't I go to school like other children? And going to hospital when I was sick was not an option because we could not afford it. I mentioned that we were 10 children, but I lost two brothers due to diseases that could be treated, but they could not afford to go to hospital, so they passed away. I lost one of my sisters when my mom was giving birth. She couldn't go to hospital. She was giving birth at home. And because there was no care or anything, my sister died. So when things got worse at home, with all the fighting and everything, how did my life change? I had an uncle who stayed in the city in Nairobi. If you come from... uh, uh, the western part, like Kisumu, going to Nairobi. Nairobi is the capital of Kenya. And uh, one day, that was my brother's, my mother's brother. So she came home. He came home one day and told my mother, "I'm going to help you." And how was he going to do that? He said, "I'm going to take one of your children. I'm going to go with them to the city. I'm going to put them in school, and I hope that this child will one day." come back and change the living situation around this family. So which child do you think he picked? (laughs) Yeah, that's obvious. (laughs) So he picked me. And why? He picked me because I was named after his mother. So you can imagine names are very important where I come from, right? So because I shared a name with his mother, he said, I'm going to take this child and I'm going to stay with them in the city. I'm going to put them in, put her in school. And I hope that she will work hard and one day she will come back and change their life back here. So I went with, this, uh, with my uncle to the city and true to his word, he put me in school. At first it was hard for me to fit in with other kids uh, due to poor nutrition. I had uh, developed kwashiako, if anyone knows what that means. I had a uh, bloated stomach or something like that. So all the other kids made fun of me. And uh, that made me really kind of scared to communicate with other children. And I, with my low self-esteem, I kept mostly to myself. So even though I stayed with my uncle in the city and I, I was missing home, I did not miss the arguments. I did not miss having to see the constant fights between my mother and my father and my father fighting and beating all of us, I did not miss that. So that was one thing I thanked God for, for getting me out of that situation. So having children of his own, my uncle also struggled to keep me in school. So I was in and out of school most of the time. Um, I remember there's a time I stayed home for almost a whole semester because he could not afford to pay the money to take me back. What happens in Kenya, what used to happen then, when we go to school in the morning, they would call out the names of those children who have a fee balance, right? And then they would tell you to go home and get the money and then come back. But if there's no money at home, what are you going to get? Nothing, right? So you stay home until some miracle happens or until you get something and come back. And that was my situation. So I stayed home most of the time. When my uncle got something small, I went back to school. If nothing, I went back home. So that was it, back and forth. And I really wanted to stay in school. That was something, I I don't know why, but I really wanted to stay in school. And I was praying that one day I would be able to stay in school. 
So how did I get enrolled in the Kopansha project and how did my life change? For those who are familiar with Compassion International, I would say they partner with churches <coughs> where they set up projects. So these projects, in these projects, they have social workers who would then go to the schools where they would identify the needy students and then they would interview them and then enroll them in the program. So my grade three teacher forwarded my name to the social workers. They visited my uncle's home and then after interviewing my aunt, I was enrolled in the compassion program. And what was it like for me being enrolled in the compassion program? So every Saturday, we would go to the project where there was a whole day's program set up for us. We would have Bible study. And I would say that I got my first Bible through the compassion program. I never had, my family was not religious at all. Nobody was going to church, so... The first time I was hearing about God and everything was through the Compassion Project. We would sing songs, we would play together with other kids and would share a meal together. For some of us, that was the first time you were having a good meal. I mean, maybe you've stayed the whole week without eating and that's the first time you're getting a meal. I felt so good being at the project because while there I could play, I had friends and there was good food and I would forget about my problems for a while. I also love that I could get new shoes for school, school uniform, and books. I also got medical screening to ensure I was in good health, and I could also go to hospital anytime I was sick. It was through compassion that I learned the word of God and gave my life to Christ. And uh, one social worker who was very key in my conversion was called Josephine. So one day she sat me down and asked me, uh, she was going through my life story and telling me how God had got me from all these uh, situations. And she just asked me, what are you waiting for? Like, why are you not giving your life to Christ? I was in high school then, and I'd just gone back to the project to volunteer. I used to go back and help other children with writing letters and everything and doing whatever work they gave me to do. And she told me that, look at how God has really changed your life. What are you still waiting for? So I did think about it, and I decided to give my life to Christ. And I'm glad that that was something that the best decision that I could have ever made in my life. So while having given my life to Christ, I gained the faith to pray for a transformation in my family. And I can testify today that things changed for the better. My parents did stop drinking and started going to church, something that I thought would never be possible. So let me now talk to you about my compassion sponsors because they are key what happened, the transformation that happened in my life, and that the reason why I'm standing here today. Their names are Bob and Colleen Staggs, and they're from Ames, Iowa, somewhere up, up north. <laughs> yeah, up, very up there. <laughs> so I really felt special having them in my life because they really encouraged me. And just briefly, I would share with you, when you say that I was once a child on those packets out there, it is true. <laughs> so they were like an, an, in an event, and they decided that they were going to sponsor a child. And when they decided to sponsor a child, they were looking for two things. First of all, uh, they were old, so they were looking for a child who shared a birthday with their grandson. And then they were looking for a boy. And somehow they picked my packet. So I don't know if I looked like a boy back then. <laughs> but maybe I didn't look like a boy because I had short hair. <laughs> yeah, so 
I thank God that they did not return my packet and say that they were looking for a boy, but they decided to sponsor me and they decided to um, change my life. So in addition to all this, I got letters and gifts from them. I look forward to my birthday because my sponsors always sent me a birthday card. As I mentioned, they would never forget my birthday because I shared it with their grandson. So it was always a joy to hear my name being called during lunchtime at the project because that meant that I had a letter from my sponsors. And um, um, I would say that my sponsors wrote a lot to me. And as a young child, I could not understand why someone I did not know who lived thousands of miles away cared so much about me. They told me how much they loved me and how much they cared about me. I mean, for me, that was almost like the first time someone was telling me that I was special, that they loved me. Having lived in all, surrounded by all these negative things in my life, they were like a breath of fresh life to me. And the letters that they wrote to me were the things that kept me going through all the dark moments in my life. Anytime I felt so low, I would take all these letters and just read them over and over and over again. And what did these letters do to me? These letters made me say that I was going to work hard not to disappoint my sponsors because they were the only ones who cared about what happened in my life. She always shared with me about her family, about her children, her grandchildren, what they were doing. She had this garden she always wrote about. Anything she was planting, if it's tomatoes or anything, whether they did well or not, she would tell me about it. And in my mind, I was always picturing this garden, and I prayed that one day I would see it. You know, the way she always described it, I would feel like I was actually working in that garden, you know. So for me, they just opened their door to me. They opened their family to me, and they invited me in. So when we were at the Compassion Projects, receiving letters from our sponsors was a big deal. And every child looked forward to having their names called out to go and get their letters. So we would all be in like one room playing and reading and singing and everything. Then they would call out names. So whenever you had your name being called, you knew that you had a letter. And it was usually, I would say it would be sad for those who don't get letters because there are those who've had sponsors for a long time and they never wrote to them. Even though they wrote to their sponsors, the sponsors never wrote back. So you can imagine as a kid, you're waiting to hear your name being called every time and it never gets called. So I, th- I think for me, I really um, thank God because my sponsors always wrote to me and they always asked me questions in their letters. So I kept, we kept writing back and forth. So our relationship mostly was built on those letters, writing back and forth. They were supposed to come visit me in Kenya once when I was a around 11 years old, but they couldn't make it. But they sent their friends to come and visit me, and they gave them some gifts to come and bring for me, and they took pictures and sent them to my sponsors. Why am I mentioning that? It's because I have had the wonderful chance of meeting my sponsors here in the U.S. I came here in 2011 to pursue a doctorate degree in earth sciences and specifically in geophysics. I thank God for my sponsors because with their sponsorship, I was able to stay in school, something that I really desired. And by staying in school, God opened many other opportunities for me. 
I obtained my bachelor's degree in physics at the University of Nairobi, and that was because they sponsored me through a program called the Leadership Development Program. They say that um, usually when they sponsor, uh, the child sponsorship program ends when you're around 20, 22 years old. But they decided to continue through the leadership development program, even though it was almost three times more expensive than the other program. And why did they do this? Because they say that we have seen how your life has changed. We have seen the growth. They kept all my letters. They've seen how my, even my handwriting changed. They saw even my grades, how they improved. And they say they were not going to stop until until I had obtained my bachelor's degree. So they did um, up to the leadership development program. So by them sponsoring me for that, other opportunities opened up. And after finishing my bachelor's degree, I proceeded to do two postgraduate diplomas in Italy. And that was in 2008 to 2010. And uh, then I came to Memphis in 2011 to pursue my doctorate degree uh, in geophysics. And I finished that in December of 2015. So I thank God because were it not for my sponsors, I would not have gone through all that. And they believed in me enough to just trust God that he was going to help me through each and every step of the way. So uh, while here, I was able to see my sponsors for the first time, and that was in 2011. And when they heard that I was here, they drove all the way from Iowa all the way from Iowa to Memphis to come and see me. And they're old, and I, that was really... <laughs> no, I had not seen them before. When I saw them, I saw that they were old, and I was touched that they decided to take that long trip to come and visit me, like nine, eight, nine hours drive to come and see me in Memphis. And they even introduced me to some very nice fried chicken place in Memphis. If you come... If you come to Memphis, I will show you. <laughs> and I, I just thank God because were it not for them, I would not be standing here today. And uh, I would like to share a verse with you. Um, all right, it's Matthew. Um, oh, sorry. From the book of Matthew, I think it should be 25, from 35 to 40. I will confirm that. It says, um, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And that's what my sponsors did for me. They opened their door to me, a stranger, and invited me to their table. They gave me hope and held my hand through the difficult times in my life. They did not stop with me, but they continued to open their door to other children living in poverty. Not only 
did they sponsor me in that child sponsorship program, but even going through the leadership development program. So I'm really grateful for a lot that they did for my life. And uh, I would say that learning from the giving heart of my sponsors, my husband and I are also sponsoring a lovely boy called Wilson. He's from Guatemala. And interesting enough, he shares a birthday with my husband. <laughs> yeah, I didn't bring pictures, but hopefully, maybe one day I'll send you pictures. So I, I just want to share another thing that happened. Um, uh, when, I, uh, when my husband came, I came here in 2011, but he came in the spring of 2012. So we drove to Iowa, actually, this time with him to go visit them in uh, 2016, spring. And while there, we were able to go to church together with them. And the garden that I pictured in my head, I finally got to see that garden. Although there was nothing growing in it at that time, but I still got to see it. But something amazing that just sitting at their table... They had this file that had all the letters and photos that they had ever received from Compassion about me. And I was able to go through everything and see my pictures and see all my letters that I had written to them. They had all my grades that were sent to them. And that was just amazing for me that they had, they had this is a file called Cecilia, you know, everything that they ever received for, from me and they had kept it. And I was really glad that they were such an important part of my life. So today, I just want to encourage those who are sponsoring. I want to thank you also for all the work, good work that you're doing. Because when you sponsor a child, you not only change the life of that child, but also of the family and community as a whole. Having come from a very violent and troubling background, I did not think that things could be different. But I was able to see a difference when I communicated with my sponsors back and forth, and they kept encouraging me and urging me on. And that helped me to think that life could be different. I, I saw all the violence in my family and images of my father beating my mother and all that, and I felt that that's how maybe men treat all the women or how that's how husbands treat their wives. So I had said no relationships for me, nothing, you know. But I'm amazed that God can change our lives. God can change our stories. God can heal our hearts. And I've been married for seven years now. And with my four-month-old daughter, they're somewhere hanging out there. So I thank God because things did not remain the same. But God used a wonderful people in my life to change me, to transform me, and to heal me, and to tell me that, yes, you can do this. Go ahead and be the best that you can be. It is my prayer that God continue to use you all in the transforming journey of your sponsored children's lives for those who are sponsoring and even for those who are still thinking about it. And I also encourage you to write to them because for me, if it was not for those letters, I might not have been here. Many times I wanted to give up. Many times everything was just crashing in. But those letters, I read them and they told me, we love you. You're special. We are praying for you. We are believing in you. And that made me not give up. So thank you so much for all that you do. And I pray that you be encouraged that it is not all in vain. Not all children can go to school and do PhDs and everything. But they can be the best that God wants them to be. And if you invest in their lives, I pray that you'll be able to figure out with them what they're good at and help them to achieve. 
the best. And who knows, maybe one day they'll be the ones who are standing here and saying thank you for all that you have done for me. So I'm just here to tell you that having been a child on one of those packets out there, I know what it means to live that life and I know what it means to be to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. And I'm living proof today that God can transform the life of any child, irrespective of where they are. I never knew that I would come from that village in Western Kenya, even to the United States. It was never in my wildest dreams. But God works in mysterious ways, and he's amazing in everything that he does. So thank you so much, and I pray that God will bless you, and thank you for the opportunity to be here just to share briefly what God has done in my life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Man, make sure that you get to meet this girl and Philip and uh, their adorable four month old uh, little girl. And so, man, thank you so much. Just want to help lead and guide you for, for a few minutes. And, uh, you know, there, there's nothing that I. I can say nothing more that you need to hear about Compassion International. I, I, think, I think we have heard and we have seen enough. What a, what a great organization and what a great story. And, uh, but what, what I do want to do is, is bring your attention to something that it was actually the uh, application of the very first message that was preached after we joined together as a church. So that first weekend of November in 2014, in the book of Nehemiah, and we were looking at his life, and, and the, the title was, was Broken Over Brokenness. And as we've you know, been thinking about this day, I, I have had Nehemiah and a couple of other people from the scriptures that, that have just been stuck in my mind, and I've been thinking through and asking myself questions and and, and how we might could have that text to lead and guide us today out to the compassion table on our knees in prayer, how the Lord might lead us and guide us. And so I just want to remind you of this guy, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, we won't say much about him because of our time today, but, but listen, he, he had a really good job as, uh, as a Hebrew exile living in the great Persian empire. He worked for the king. He was a cupbearer. And Nehemiah one day got word, and it's in chapter one of Nehemiah, he got word about the Jews, about his people, about how they were vulnerable and how they were oppressed back in Jerusalem. He heard that the walls had been destroyed around the city and that the people were suffering. Nehemiah heard a message of brokenness. He heard about the reality of those who who he couldn't see. And I think like Nehemiah, today we have been able to be invited into Kenya, into a world uh, that, that is a lot different than Tuscaloosa, Alabama, with people who are image bearers of God, just like you and me. 
But with children that we hear a word from today that like Cecilia, they, they may have been wondering, are we going to be able to eat today? Will we be able to eat before Saturday? You know, are we going to have to walk barefoot through the mud much longer? And there's stories across the world that compassion can help uh, to give us that show that there are great needs of areas that need a restoring work of God to come to their town. And guess what Compassion International does? And they do it not, you know, it's not the organization that is so great. They do it through the church. They do it through the local church. This is God's people doing restoring acts of grace. Cecilia's, man, she's been a part of that. And now she is once again a part for someone else. I believe today that we've heard the reality of brokenness around us. But I want you to see what happens with Nehemiah. And this is the scripture I'm going to read. It's Nehemiah chapter one, verse four. This is what happens when Nehemiah hears the reality of brokenness in Jerusalem. It says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I could continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. This is the text that really got my attention. And here's why. I believe that, that you and I on a regular basis, we are flooded with stories of brokenness. If you are on social media at all, you, you are flooded with story after story after story. If you watch the news, you see story after story after story. Uh, and, and they're all, sometimes we can be flooded with information and instead of becoming broken over it or having compassion that leads to action, instead of that, we just grow numb and we, we scroll down to the next status. For me, I think this is the greatest problem with my heart. And I just want to point out what we see happen with Nehemiah and see if God won't use this to speak to your heart. And he's already speaking to my heart today. But we're told that as soon as he heard these words, he sat down. And, and if I got to listen, I, I believe this, that a lot of our problem is we don't take the time to sit down. We don't take the time to allow something that we have heard to impact our lives. And today, every one of us have heard not only a just beautiful story of restoration, but we know that there's an opportunity before us to pray, to write, and to sponsor. We know that that's an opportunity before us. There's a table right out in the lobby. But what I know about you is true about me, and it's that if we do not take time to sit down and we don't take time to pray, we don't take time to do this, Tomorrow will be another day. Next week will be another week and we'll go on with life. I'll tell you who didn't do that. And it was Bob. I don't even remember Bob's. What's Bob's wife's name? Colleen. Colleen. They, listen, those old people. Um, they, <laughs> listen, they, 
I, I'm sure they were not that much different than, than you or I. And, and tomorrow they could go on with life as normal. But instead, listen, they, they did. They went to a table, they picked up a packet, and it was Cecilia. And today she stood before us and told us about the beautiful ministry that she received. She told us about in high school how she believed the gospel. She told us about how she had food and how she had friends and she had shoes and she got an education. The girl is so much smarter than any of your pastors, okay? Like (laughs) she's got, I mean, really, what a great story. We can play a part in the life of another child as Bob and his wife played a part in hers. That's what we have today. I wanna read for you this last part here that we see with Nehemiah. This is after he hears, he sits, he weeps. When's the last time you were broken over the right things? (laughs) If you're like me, oftentimes we're broken over things we ought not be broken over. This is something that should get our heart. He wept, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed. He took time to allow the Lord to work on his heart. And listen, in case you're wondering, we're, we're gonna have the table up through Easter, okay? And so we don't want you to rush into anything. This is $38 a month that, that you can sponsor a child and make a difference in their life for seven more Uh, you can give. So for $45 a month, also give to some of the disaster relief needs in the area. You you can do that for $45 a month, but but for some of you, that's more difficult than others. And so we want you to take the time, pray, evaluate your heart, pray over this ministry. Go get a name, pray over the name. I believe that we need to take the time to allow our heart to be broken over what we have heard today to end our time here with Nehemiah. Nehemiah ends up, after praying, he ends up arising in his brokenness with a plan to be a part of a God-empowered work of grace and transformation. He, he raises up ready to be a part. And, and we have an organization that that's what they do. They're a, they're a part of stories that are bigger than themselves. And they invite us to play a part. So we can come in and though we might not know how to possibly reach somebody in Kenya or in some, and we can hardly reach somebody, you know, down the street from us a lot of times uh, with how busy our lives can be. Listen, if we take the time and sit down and we pray over this to be shocked at the difference we can make in the life across the world and the difference that that life across the world can make in your life. Nehemiah, he prayed, I'll read for you in verse 11 of chapter one. He says, oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And the man, of course, was the king. Nehemiah went in to talk to the king. He asked him for his blessing to go back to Jerusalem and build back the wall that was broken down And he got the blessing to go and he went and when a matter of days rebuilt the wall that at one time seemed like it could never go up again. Listen, for us in this room, let's raise up today with at least this, a heart to pray for, 
to pray for Compassion International and the ministry that's taking place. Many of you sponsor children. I invite you today, if you're like me, you're already wanting to do this. Man, come down front. Let's pray over by name the child that you sponsor. Ask God for wisdom on on what to do in relation to sponsoring another child. If you're like me, you're already thinking, I gotta go write some letters this afternoon. Man, amen, let's do it. Let's be people who do it. Uh, let's, let's write letters and make a difference. I believe this has been a wonderful day. May the Lord use it to further his kingdom. May he use it to bring joy to our lives and the joy to those that we've never met. May he release people from poverty in Jesus' name. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and, and ask, let's, let's take this time to, to lift up people to the Lord. If you went to a house yesterday and you, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, this big international thought here. Also, a lot of you went to, to people within two blocks from here. Um, pray over people's names. Pray for people you met yesterday. Let's be a people who, who believe that God hears us. And our prayers make a difference. I love being one of your pastors and I love watching you guys raise up in the power and the name of Jesus and spring into action for his glory. You did it yesterday and I believe the Lord will lead us, a lot of us, to do the same today through In Compassion International. I'm pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word.